Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday evening. Ireland dominant in their World Cup opener versus Romania this afternoon. 82-8 the final score. Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings runs the rule over that for us. Fintan McCarthy and Paulo Donovan world champions again among another successful rowing world championships for Ireland. Ireland under-21s had a late, dramatic win at Turner's Cross last night. That was against Turkey, and we'll hear from Jim Crawford and Andrew Morn on that. John McCarthy is going to look ahead to a big day of football in the Premier Senior Championship tomorrow, and we'll round up all of the action elsewhere from golf, rowing, football, all you can imagine, all here between here and seven. It's Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock on the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM 0868104106 if you want to get in touch with us. And uh, no better place to start than with the Rugby World Cup Ireland with a bonus point win kicking off the campaign this afternoon. Ireland 82, Romania 8 in Bordeaux. Johnny Sexton scored two tries, kicked seven conversions. I think he missed one conversion. It was quite difficult, to be fair, out on the sideline in the first half. Um, his return to the starting 15, of course, first game he's played since March competitively. Peter O'Mahony picked up man of the match. Uh, good day for the Cork men. Um, Jack Crowley is well making his World Cup debut. It's the biggest win for an Ireland side at the World Cup since beating Namibia fifty-seven point, uh, by 57 points in 2003. Andy Farrell's men running in 12 tries altogether. Uh, Robbie Henshaw didn't feature as he pulled his hamstring in yesterday's captain's run, but there are no reports of any fresh injuries since full-time. Italy records a bonus point win over Namibia this morning, 52 points to 8, the final score in San Etienne. And it's currently Australia 21, Georgia 3 at halftime in Group C, uh, Pool C, should I say. And there's an 8pm start in Marseille where England face Argentina in Pool D. That will be a cracker. And uh, I'd be worried <laughs> if I was English, I'd be worried. Uh, last night, host France made a sensational start to Pool A. 27-13 they defeated the All Blacks the first ever pool stage defeat for the All Blacks I was watching that one in Clancy's in Cork in the rugby zone it launched last night um, I was talking to Stephen Archer at halftime of that one we did a, a quick Q&A uh, to kick off the rugby zone for the uh, World Cup really good venue if you want to check it out um, we'll get back to the rugby we're going to speak as I said to Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings about that win for Ireland. But more good news for Cork and uh, for Irish rowing as well. Skibbereens, Fintan McCarthy and Paulo Donovan retained their world title in Belgrade. The Cork pair east of the gold medals in the lightweight men's double skulls final at the World Championships. Um, hat-trick now of world titles and uh, they'll be looking to take the gold again in Paris in 2024 next summer of course and it's all going well for them at the moment. In the men's pair, Ross Corgan and Nathan Timney claimed bronze uh, earlier Stephen McGowan and Katie O'Brien came from came fifth in the PR2 mixed doubles goals final and it was fourth place for Africa and Fiona Marta in the women's pair final 
Gaelic Games big evening in the Bonskers Premier Intermediate Football Championship it's Bandon versus Castletown Bear Rock Chapel go up against Nemo Rangers Bantry Blues face McCroom Eve Leary play Neva Vaughan Kilimartra taking on Piershig Ahada meet Kilshanig they all throw in at half past six and it'll be the exact same tomorrow evening as well, or tomorrow during the day, four o'clock, all the Premier Senior Football Championship games throwing in at the same time. And we'll hear from Ger McCarthy a little later on in the show about how he thinks that will all shape up. Let's hear from Ger McCarthy now, though, because during the week the news broke that Matthew Toomey stepped down as the Corkamogi boss. Uh, Rory spoke to Ger just to get his reaction to the news that Matthew was stepping away after leading the Rebels to All-Ireland glory last month. All right, for more on the news that uh, Matthew Chimmy has stepped down as Cork boss, delighted to be joined by our good friend and host of the Women in Sport podcast on Cork's Red FM, Mr. Ger McCarthy. And Ger, um, you tweeted to say that you, you weren't surprised that Matthew Chimmy had stepped down. No, Rory. Um, I mean, maybe the timing will, will, will catch people out um, a small bit, right, considering he's just won an All-Ireland final. But from speaking with Matthew, Matthew just, not just this year, but over the last three years, the time and effort it takes to, to manage an inter-county team senior team at, at any well, at any level I think it's just been uh, taking just too much of his time to be quite honest with you um, winning the O'Duffy Cup was a fantastic achievement and let's not forget they got Cork got unbelievably close the two previous years as well but I just think the time and the effort and you know Cork had to overcome so many obstacles this year with injuries some of their key players from speaking to Matthew for the big red bench throughout the season it was clear to me anyway that as much as he enjoyed the role and he absolutely loved the players he was working with and his backroom team and that you know there comes a time when no matter whether you win, lose or draw that you have to take a step back for your own sake as well and in a way I'm just, I know everyone will be disappointed but I'm kind of glad for him the individual that he's taken this decision because I think he just after the three years that he's put down in the numerous years before that that he's been involved in the backroom team there's nothing more that Matthew Toomey could give and some pretty big shoes now to fill for the Cork County Board, especially, as you said, you're just coming off the back of that All-Ireland success and, uh, I suppose, the the, um, the legacy, I suppose, and the standards that Matthew has set. Yes, um, and, that, and that, this this will be the, the big thing. Who's who's willing to take on the role now? Because there's a fantastic group of players there and let's not forget that Cork Camogie is in a very, very healthy place right now, both at intermediate, under 16, uh, minor level as well, where... The county has won numerous All-Irelands over the last number of years. But if to become an inter-county manager and to be the All-Ireland champions, there's four or five series contenders in the senior championship every year. And you have to be on it from the first week. You have to do well in the National League. You have to do well, if you can, in your provincial championship as well. So whoever does take it on, um, they're serious boots to fill. But the good news is for Cork Camogie and Matthew Toomey be the first to admit this. There's a county board willing to work with you. There are a serious set of players already present in the dressing room, experienced All-Ireland winners, and a serious amount of young talent coming through as well. So it's a certainly an interesting proposition for somebody that um, you know would be willing to take on the role because there's every chance of success there. And uh, I think from our perspective, as journalists, we have to thank Matthew for his time as well. He was always uh, very obliging, very, very helpful and was always very, very keen uh, to promote Cork Camogie on air with us. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you, Paddy Murray before him was the exact same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it makes our life so much easier when we look for access to players and get it. And when we get a chance to talk to managers, win, lose or draw after games. Um, he's been nothing but accommodating. He was, as I've said in one of my social media posts there, he was a gentleman on and off the pitch always. And um, I think as well he deserves praise because 
you know, winning an All Ireland title, especially in the Senior Camogie uh, Championship in this particular era, when Kilkenny, when Galway, when Tip, and Waterford now, um, you know, are all fighting for the O'Duffy Cup. It, you know, he only lost by three points to Galway two years ago by a point, heartbreakingly to Kilkenny last year, and then you know beat Waterford well this year. But the manner in which his Cork teams played should not be forgotten. They played a fluid attacking style of Camogie whenever they could. He brought through some fantastic young players that are now all Ireland winners. But above all, um, he was very, very accommodating to the press. Understood the press's role mm. and how it can help. Um, and you're right, he was a huge, huge help to the big red bench and all the radio stations and all the print media as well. And he will be sorely missed in that role. Yeah, the very best of luck to Matthew Toomey in the future and uh, the very best of luck to whoever decides to, to go for the job and take over the Cork Seniors next year. All right, uh, looking at football in the League of Ireland, First Division Cove Ramblers host Athlone Sound this evening. Kickoff at St. Coleman's Park is a quarter to eight. In the Women's Premier Division, uh, leaders Piemont United hosting Cork City this evening. Piemont leading, unfortunately, 2 at half-time. A brace from Ellen Dolan. Tough assignment for Cork City away to the leaders. Shamrock Rovers 1-0 up and Sligo Rovers. Anya O'Gorman hitting the back of the net there. And uh, the game between Wexford, Utes and Treaty United is underway. Athlone host Bohemians later. And the final game of the evening sees Galway United take on Dealer Waves at 25-8. to um, elsewhere, Kerry FC say they've referred an incident to the Gardaí after one of their players were allegedly racially abused last night. The insult was heard as the club played out a nil-all draw with Longford Town. The players receiving support from the club and Kerry have condemned any forms of hatred towards their players and staff. And uh, I suppose on a, on a night where Kerry FC picked up a point, that uh, left a, a sour taste in, in a lot of people's mouths and... Uh, Hopefully it can be sorted as quickly as possible. Um, in tennis, Coco Goff is looking to win her first ever Grand Slam singles title tonight. The home favourite and sixth seed takes on the new world number one arena Sabalenka in the US Open final. Uh, play at Flushing Meadows is due to get underway at 9pm Irish time. And I think uh, as well in the men's final tomorrow, the excitement would have been... Uh, a Carlos Alcaraz Ben Shelton final but unfortunately we've ended up with we haven't even ended up with Djokovic Alcaraz it's Djokovic uh, Medvedev um, but uh, it's going to be good either way it's just I think everybody wants to see Carlos Alcaraz play tennis at the moment and Ben, ben Shelton was particularly exciting as well bursting onto the scene uh, golf Rory McIlroy's two shots off the lead after his third round at the Irish Open at the K Club five birdies in the back nine gave the former world's number one a round of 66 today and leaves him on 11 under all round Germany's Hurley Long great name will take a one shot lead into the final day as he sits on 13 under par a level par 72 leaves Shane Lowry next best of the Irish on 8 under and in a tie for 13th in the clubhouse Mark Power is 7 under on his professional debut Tom McKibben is 4 under after a 70 today a 71 for Conor Parcel left him 3 under and Podrick Harrington is two under par. Stephanie Meadow is slipping down the leaderboard during the third round of the Queen City Championship on the LPGA Tour. Four bogeys in her first eight holes has seen the Antrim native fall back to one under. She's 13 shots now off leader Sheehan Payon, who's 14 under. All right, let's uh, jump right into the analysis of that huge win for Ireland over Romania. I was speaking to Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings to dissect an 82 points to 8 win for Ireland in their World Cup opener. Delighted to say I'm joined on the line now by Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings after Ireland opened their World Cup campaign 
with uh, dominance 82 points to 8 win over Romania um, Ireland uh, well, they shipped Detroit pretty quickly um, and pretty shockingly maybe it was the wake up call they needed after 2 minutes and uh, they went on to win pretty convincingly yeah look I, I think that Ireland knew that regardless of what happened in the game they were going to win you know I mean I think the the, the quality level between both sides I mean it's, it's barely even we're talking about like the, the difference in quality it was a weird start to the game. Like, I think you could see Ireland were looking, to, they were out there to score tries, obviously, um, and, and really go after them. I think that kick from Johnny Sexton that we saw that led to the intercept for the, the first try for Romania, you wouldn't see that against South Africa or you wouldn't see that against Scotland. But it's the kind of thing you try in a game like this because you're going to get more opportunities. Uh, and Ireland got them and they took them. As the game went on, they just looked like they'd score in every other possession. Um, do you know what a good win in the end you won't get any prizes for uh, beating Romania but I think they put them away in the sort of style that you would want one of the favourites for the tournament to do yeah it's about as perfect as Andy Farrell would have imagined it last night before going to bed oh absolutely like as in you want nobody injured and you want to get a few tries on board you want to you know get guys confidence going build a bit of momentum that's exactly what you want and I think that when you have uh, a scoreline like that with you know so many different try scorers and a few really good standout performances from individuals that's exactly what you want You roll, but again you kind of bank it and roll on to the next game because Tonga will be harder but looking at this game for what it was it's exactly what Andy Farrell would have wanted yeah, and how great as well to see Peter O'Mahony picking up man of the match. Although he said after the game himself, he uh, didn't really understand how he, he, he seemed to pick it up. But uh, two tries for him, fantastic to see, just, I suppose, from a Cork point of view. And uh, it's only then in commentary, I suppose, when they mentioned the fact that uh, when, when you do have maybe uh, the likes of uh, Van der Fleer starting, that possibly Peter O'Mahony doesn't start, which is a strange thing to understand because he's been so ever-present throughout his career, but Peter O'Mahony as a finisher sounds like a very good idea, actually, when you think about it. Like, him coming off the bench against the likes of a South Africa, looking deeper into the tournament, hopefully in a quarter-final, semi-final, that could be key. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I think with, with this Irish back row and, and with the guys they have there who might be, you know, half-lock style players, fellas who can play in the back row or in the second row, they can put together a few different configurations in their back row. And I think in the modern game in particular, like uh, people can kind of, you, you can forget a little bit about just traditional numbers because once the game gets away from the scrum or to a certain extent the line-out, it's about what you can produce in your role in a certain area of the field. And I think that what Peter Romani has always done, always, even with the height of the criticism that was put around him, is that he was always a guy who was very dangerous in the white channels. And I think what Ireland have done really well in, in, in this game, but in general over the last year, is to be able to work the ball into those areas. And once you get the ball into those areas, you're, you're going to get the best out of Peter Romani. And whether it's scoring tries, which again is is great, but for the most part with Peter Romani, you're seeing a lot of the, his best stuff is at the offensive breakdown. I think what he's probably thinking is, I didn't have a massive day at the offensive breakdown. When he's thinking, I don't know how I got this, you know, player to match. You know, I think he's just looking at the two tries and thinking, is that it? But like that's exactly the type of of, of player that Ireland are looking for. Versatile, um, a lot of different role sets they can fill in. 
And I think what Peter Romani did in this game was just showcase that, do you know what, if you get the ball to him in the, in the wider areas, he can score tries, he can do damage. And yeah, look, it was it was Romania. But I think that it'll be a nice little thing for him to remember at the end of his career, you know, two tries in the World Cup and there's lots of games left to go. Who knows? There could be a number of tries out there for Peter Romani yet. Yeah, and uh, look, I know we can caveat the chats. Obviously, it's Romania. Uh, they're they're only in the competition because Spain was a Spain fielded and illegible player. Um, but you know, Sexton still Sexton looked good. Um, obviously, he looked first. Like when he went over that for that try and took that kind of bang to the hand, I'd say everybody was kind of thinking, "Oh no, uh, here we go again." But uh, looked good, came through it. Um, do you expect him to start against Tonga the next day or will he come off the bench maybe to finish the game? Uh, it's a th- That would be a tough decision for, for Farrell to make. I think they'll just have to see how Sexton recovers uh, from after this game, how he's, how he's reacting tomorrow and the day after. Uh, they may look to put him on the bench. I think Jack Crowley off the bench actually did really well also. Sure, yeah. Romania were tiring, but I think he looked really athletic and uh, you know put, put some lovely moves together. But I think with, with, with Sexton... Do you know, he's 38. Do you know, he's a guy who you don't want to use too much that when you don't necessarily need to. They needed to get minutes into him here. I think he did, what, 65 minutes? Um, that's a good run out for him. Uh, he scored some tries. He, you know, kicked most of his his, uh, his goals. That's kind of what you want. And I, I think that, do you know, if he can come out of this without an injury or picking up a knock, I'd be happy enough at this stage leaving him out for Tonga altogether and uh, bringing him in for the South Africa game. I think that he blew off a few of the cobwebs here. A week off and then into South Africa, I think that would be enough for Sexton because I think that you'd want to start that game with him right now uh, with you know the influence he, have, he has in this squad. Obviously, he's the captain. So I think that um, I, I, I would be surprised if we saw him against Tonga because I think what he got here would be enough to blow out some of the cobwebs and uh, Tonga will be a big physical team who will offer uh, a more sustained physical challenge than what we saw from Romania here. I'm not sure you necessarily want to risk um, risk Sexton in, in, in a game like that that Ireland should still be winning. So yeah. we'll, we, we'll see how it goes, but I would, be, I would be surprised to see him again until uh, that South Africa game. Crowley, uh, just a word on Jack Crowley making his World Cup debut, I think six years ago only he was playing Munster Schools rugby for Bandon. Uh, just great story for, for Cork rugby, West Cork rugby especially. Oh yeah, look, I think that uh, Jack Crowley is just endlessly talented I think he's just got the, the capacity at, at a young age to just step up in level and, and for it to not look out of place whenever he moves up to that next level he did it at Munster when he, he's played European Cup Rugby at a very very young age um, away to cast he played really well in that game as well I think he was what 19 at that stage or 20 or 21 really really young anyway and just out of COVID as well so it's not a surprise to me to see him stepping up to test level in the way he has over the last year and and for him to flourish. Uh, he's a big character. And like with guys like this, you know, when they're young players, you don't necessarily want to throw too much hype on them, I feel, because I think that in itself can be damaging for players. They they become aware of it. You know, yeah. they they like everyone says they don't listen to it, but they do. But I think with Jack Crowley, I think what we've seen is a guy who will brush off poor performances or poor moments in games and just keep producing. We saw here like he came on and it'd be easy for the game to get out get away from him. But he had a hand in a, a number of scores that Ireland had, so I think he'd be happy enough with his with his performance. Whether he's uh, the de facto number two behind uh, Sexton, 
let's wait and see it because I think we'll see Ross Byrne get some time against Tonga also um, but it's a really good place for Jack Crowley to be in right now and he just has to keep producing yeah, he's uh, he's doing himself a lot of favours whenever he uh, takes to the pitch in an Ireland jersey. One worry then, the line-out is still a bit fractured, isn't it? Like the the first try kind of came from a bit of a, a breakdown, the line-out as well, didn't it? That Romania score, like it's it was poor in the warm-up games too. It's, it's worrying like if they do not get it right going into South Africa, that could be, that could be bad. Uh, even against Scotland Scotland yeah. are a good defensive yeah. line team as well like uh, it's hard to know as to, as to why it is there's a number of different reasons I think the first things people look at always is the hooker it's not always the hooker I think more often than not it's the lifters and the jumpers and the actual overall scheme that you might have in your line out I, I think that Ireland over the last year maybe year and a bit have been really good at playing a very simple line out like Ireland mauled in the last year Ireland have mauled more than any team in the world in the last year and sometimes they're not full malls where they're you know driving and, and, and you know pushing against the other team sometimes they they faint a mall where it looks like a mall but it isn't but that's all based off a very simple line out now when Ireland were kind of first uh, with Andy Farrell taking over and my cat the line out was actually very very poor as well I think it was Simon Easterby who was coaching it back then. They made a change in bringing in Paul O'Connell. One of the things that he did was is that he simplified a lot of uh, Ireland's calls. So Ireland's call in the lineout, when you know you look at how the likes of James Ryan would be calling it, it would be very simple. Ireland would mainly go up in the middle or at the front, and they'd maul from that position. I think what they've had to do in the last year is knowing that they're going to be coming up against uh, South Africa mainly, but Scotland as well, and a lot of other teams who are really good defensive line-out teams, is that they've had to change up some of what they call. So, like, when you go into a game, you have a menu of line-outs that you have that are, you you know how to do them all, but you have certain line-outs that you use for certain opposition. I think what Ireland looked to have done is that they looked to have changed up some of their calling structure and some of their actual line-out schemes themselves because they don't want to be coming into a World Cup against a team the size of the Springboks playing the same lineouts that they've been doing over the last year. So when you change things, there's going to be issues. You're going to have a yeah. few overthrows. You're going to have a few mistakes. I think that's what's. I think that's what we're seeing in reality. But I suppose as that South Africa game gets closer, the pressure will come on Ireland to, like, we'll have to just simplify and just go back to what we know and, and to make sure that we're, that, that, like, that we get that possession. Because, look, Ireland are a team who kick the ball an awful lot. If you don't have a solid lineout when you kick the ball a lot, they're very like those two things are linked. They don't seem like they are, but they are. Because when you kick to the opposition, they will kick back to you. If you have a lineout that doesn't work, and if they kick the, that, that ball off the field, you're all of a sudden you're just losing ground and you're losing momentum. So that has to be fixed for the South Africa game, it has to be fixed for the, the Scotland game. They're running out of time there. So like I, I think that against Tonga, if they're still Show, showcasing a bit of the yips at line-out time, that's the, that's the time to get concerned um, because then we may see Ireland start to go far more simple at the line-out and then that in itself risks um, the, 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 the spring box getting up into the air and disrupting your throw. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a, bit, bit of a, kind of a, a one-upmanship job there at the moment where both teams are kind of playing against the opposition analysts at the moment. So we'll see what Ireland do against Tonga because they can't go into this into the Springboks game with uh, their line out in, 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 in the shape that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. 
Absolutely. Some good, some bad. Plenty to work on. Uh, but that game against Tonga next week will certainly be uh, interesting to see where this Ireland team are at heading into that big one against South Africa. Tom Savage of the Three Red Kings, thanks man, for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, the first of uh, many games, hopefully, in the Rugby World Cup this year for Ireland. Obviously, Tonga next week, then a break, then it's South Africa, then it's Scotland, then it's hopefully a quarter final after that, and sure, look, we'll take it from there. Um, uh, Australia, 21, Georgia, 8. Georgia just running in a try in the last couple of minutes, but they didn't convert it. And they had a bit of territory there as well, but Australia seemed to have quelled that... Uh, that's a bit of an uprising Georgia we're, we're pulling off there um, as they look to get their form back on track. And if there's any man that's going to be good for that, it's Eddie Jones at a World Cup. All right, uh, Munster were defeated last night by Leinster at Musgrave Park in a pre-season game. 33-12 the score. Ifo Callahan was there for us and spoke to Mike Prendergast after the game. Sum that up for us. Um, I suppose when you look at the scoreline, it's, it's, uh, it's disappointing for sure. Um, and saying that when you strip it back and you look at I suppose the performance um, we had 14 entries into, into the scores and as we would call it the, the opposition's 22 um, and we scored once from it so definitely that's an area that we, we need to get better at we were quite aware of that going into it as well there's certain aspects through pre-season that you focus on and it's probably an area that yeah it's an area that we need to um, improve for our next outing um, there's some good individual performances I just thought in terms of the collision side probably came up short a bit in the first half um, and we improved in the second half well I suppose on that pre-season game there where you bring your youth in off the bench and stuff like that I suppose give us a word on our newbies coming on yeah they were very good they brought huge energy um, great to see Stephen Kiley score a try that's a that's a great moment for a young player so great to see that um, and they did as I said some of them put their hands up they've been training well for us um, but yeah, just overall, I suppose. Look, preseason games are, are never, you know, straightforward, and there, there is mistakes. And but there was definitely aspects of it that we were quite happy with. Um, and I suppose we know where we want to go. Um, but definitely, as I said, the two areas would be the, the context start, uh, side of it from the first half, um, and just those those scores on entries. We just we need to be more clinical in there. That's the and reality. Andrew Conway being back absolutely charming at the bit there. Yeah, quick could, word on him. Yeah, brilliant. You could see it, and he's kind of infectious as well. He's all energy. He's a brilliant communicator, and um, and you could see that over tonight. And it's brilliant again to see see a guy that's been out for so long. Um, to come back to form he's after coming back in and I'm sure he's just he's going to get kick on and be better and better as, as Graham said he's, he's like another new signing for us which is great just on the result you mentioned like obviously it's, it's just because it's never like, like to lose to any game and is it or yeah you always you always want to I suppose get, get a result uh, but we look at performance and there is aspects of it that, that was as, as I alluded to was disappointing um, but there was a lot of good in it as well I know it mightn't look, uh, look like that from the outside but when we're sitting there as coaches through pre-season, you look for different aspects of the game which you feel you need to get better at. Um, and some of them were good tonight and some of them, as, as I said previously, were, were we were a bit short on. Um, but I think it's something that would be better for it. Yeah, obviously the main thing is probably getting minutes in the legs and stuff, but mm. you never like losing to Leinster at any stage, even pre-season. Yeah, any game really, you know. But yeah, you just you, you want the performance, you want the, the result to follow. Um, I was, I was Pleased and we were as his coach staff, we were pleased with the second half performance. A lot of young lads coming in, getting getting the opportunity like Leinster had as well. Um, but yeah, look, overall there's, there's there's still obviously a lot of work to be done. Uh, we have a couple of guys coming back for our next game and, and after that, so we hope to integrate them and and keep, I suppose, 
um, our squad as deep as we can, and that you know that's that's where that's where we want to get to. I saw Henry injury worries or anything off back tonight. No, I just said it to, to, to Leo Cullen. There was always a positive coming off the pitch where two coaches can say, thankfully, there was no injuries because pre-season games can sometimes throw up that. Um, but by, by the looks of Ireland and England Street as well, it doesn't look like there's, there's too many anyway. A couple of knocks and bruises, but um, nothing serious there, I think. Yeah, Mike Prendergast there speaking after Munster v Leinster last night at Musgrave Park. Just as I was saying, it Australia ran in a try to give them a big buffer now, 28 points to 8. All right, we're going to go for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Jim Crawford and Andrew Moore, who was speaking to Rory at that fantastic win for the Ireland under-21s at Turner's Cross last night. And we're going to hear from John McCarthy ahead of that big day in the Bonsecure's Premier Senior Football Championship tomorrow. Don't go away. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. It's Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock. One game going on in the European qualifiers. It's Ukraine 1, England 1 with 73 minutes gone. England were coming into this one with four wins from four. Uh, Zinchenko opened the scoring for Ukraine in 26 minutes. Kyle Walker equalised on the 41st. Um, Harry Kane setting that one up for them um, but yeah it'd be, be great to see Ukraine pull off a result against England I think it's Poland they're playing that game and, and uh, they have a big crowd at that one um, uh, right we're going to turn our attention now to that fantastic win for Ireland last night at Turner's Cross 3-2 it ended uh, 2-1 down at, at the 88 minute and Ireland managed to come back Andrew Moore with a fantastic goal and uh, then a great winner in, in oh, four minutes of, of, of stoppage time. Rory was there for us. I'd say he had an absolute ball at the game as well. Uh, really looks great. And obviously the weather last night was it was like being out foreign. Um, some heat there. Uh, really looks like good crack. And uh, of course they play San Marino on Tuesday at the cross again. So get out to the game. It looks like great crack. Um bring along anyone you want uh, you know and Ireland needing all the support they can get as well and you'd be hoping they'd be able to flex the muscles against San Marino and uh, buoyed now by that huge win over Turkey because this really has set them up now you know Turkey uh, Italy in there as well it was always going to be really tough for them and we heard from Jim Crawford last week and uh, Matt Healy as well during the week and it's such a big qualifying campaign for them and now they've had a fantastic start and they really can get uh, on the road to qualification for the Euros. Here is the captain, Andy Moran, speaking to Rory after the game. Talk to us about that win first and the character, I suppose, you chose on this Irish side. Yeah, no, definitely. I think we've, we've proved that. We've had to prove that a couple of times now, especially down here. The Iceland friendly in March, we, we were behind as well. And then tonight, did we go behind twice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to come back, it just shows the character of the group. So, yeah, that's a great win. But I think we, we have more to give them. Talk me through your goal. It's one of the best goals I think I've seen at Turner's Cross <laughs> in a very, very long time, sir. Yeah, no, to be honest, I, I, I was quite free on the edge of the box for a lot of the corners. Uh, so I, I, I kind of thought I might get the chance to hit one so I was just trying to get as good contact as I could and I mean like to come back from t- like a goal down twice shows an incredible character I mean like what's the thinking like before you go ahead 3-2 it's in time added on you're obviously still thinking we can go and win this yeah no 
no, I think so, definitely. I remember coming back from the second goal, uh, boss even said to me, and we're saying to all the lads, come on, we can win this. And we, we, we knew we probably kind of, I think the crowd got behind us and we kind of felt that momentum shifted. So, yeah, I think we knew we could win the game once we got back to 2 all. Yeah. A bit of needle between the sides as well. Did that kind of spur you on a little bit? Uh, yeah, not a physical game. It's going to happen, isn't it? But, no, I think it's important to not go over the top. But, yeah, definitely that that, that fight we have in us, we're not going to we're not gonna back down from I talked to you about man Matt Healy for a second. He's obviously back in Turner's Cross, um, former Cork team and himself. He had a great game tonight. Yeah, no, he was brilliant. I thought first half he was by far the best player in the field. So, no, he really spurred us on, kept us going when it was tough. And then, yeah, he carried that on into the second half. He was brilliant, I thought. Especially as his first game with us. He hasn't been in any of the camps before. So, to come in and slot in so well with big shoes to fill from uh, Hodgie, obviously, he was out. He's done excellent there. Probably at halftime, they probably did deserve to be ahead. So, now they're a good side, and we knew they'd be a good side. They're good technical players with a difficult shape to deal with. So, we thought we'd done well in the end, but now they're clearly a good side, and it's a massive win for us. Last time was the first half, seemed to be kind of a little bit on the back foot, but you came up second half, looked like a new side. Yeah. Was anything said at half time? Or? Uh, I think we we knew we hadn't given what we what we can, and I think we were saying that at half time that there's so much more to give here, and that if we if we play our stuff like we can, we know we can get something out of this. Uh, never mind win the game, just at least get back into it. So, no, I thought there was so much fight shown. I thought it was brilliant. Did you know straight away that you got that got that strike cleanly, or did you know when it went in? Or <laughs> to be fair, it, it did feel clean coming off the boot. Uh, yeah, but I was just praying it went in under the crossbar. I was scared it was going to keep going up and hit the crossbar, but no, nah, thank God it went in. Uh, Best goal you ever scored? Uh, I haven't seen it back, but <laughs> I'd say probably yeah. I'd say just the the, the moment as well with. A packed shed in down yeah, there. It was, yeah. That was brilliant. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, probably my favourite call ever. Anyway. Class. Just, just how important is that back-to-back wins now? Turner's cross. Yeah, no, massive. I think that you can feel it here. The fans really get behind you when, even when things are going badly, to, to push us on. So, now I think we we relish that and it helps us so much. So, now thank big thanks to the fans. Like, how, how's the setup tonight? It kind of seems to be a little bit of boxing midfield. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I think we were. They they play with. Uh, they try and overload the midfield. So I think we had to try counter that somehow. So. Uh, uh, yeah, just trying to get on the ball and if we have to spin it into the channels then, then we'll do that and try and suck them out to play in behind. So now there's lots of little details that, that we were trying to implement and I think we, we've done it all right but I think we, we do have lots more to give. And lots more to give now on Tuesday. Hopefully a less dramatic night but the yeah. same same three points hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, no, we know it'll be a tough test. It'll be a different test so... But we, we've got to respect them and we know that they'll, they'll cause us problems as well. So just, just do as best we can. Hopefully same result, yeah. Yeah, Andy Moran, another one of that Brighton Irish contingent. That's just really, really exciting. Um, you know, it's 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 a position where Ireland really don't have a lot at the moment. That sort of real creative presence. And if Evan Ferguson and Andy Moran start linking up with Brighton and then start linking up in a few years' time in the Ireland senior team, uh, it's it's just really exciting. And the way he's speaking about the game as well, like he's incredibly talented, but. The way he spoke about the game there as well, he's clearly very intelligent as well and working under the coaches at Brighton who seem to be really innovative. Roberto De Zorbi, I think everybody's raving about him. He's probably one of the most exciting managers in, in the Premier League outside of your Pep Guardiola's. Um, it's really bodes well. Uh, fantastic to have him and like I can only encourage you to go down and watch that game on Tuesday because uh, players like him on the pitch they really are they are going to be the future I, I don't think Andy Bourne is uh, is a, a flash in the pan or anything like that I really do think he is a future Ireland 
star and uh, hopefully setting up Evan Ferguson uh, every time they're on the pitch as well. Jim Crawford, the manager, spoke to the lads and Rory as well after that 3-2 win against Turkey. What does that win say about the character of your side? Uh, I think um, I I knew all about the character in fairness what we've been through over the last few windows you know in in March here when we played we went uh, um, a goal down to Iceland Um, we got back in the game we went down to 10 men to, to still go on and win the game for me I said it to him straight after that game that you know what this group is special because character like that you can't buy you can't teach and then in June we uh, it was a mixed window in terms of games and what have you but you know there was an incident there against Kuwait where the lads showed real togetherness you know with the uh, horrible incident that happened um, and again that was the sort of the narrative coming out of that camp there's more character and then that today going twice behind and you know I'm, I'm sure there was people writing us off because Turkey are a hell of a team they're a hell of a team we knew that um, coming into it they've got players who play with Galatasaray Juventus you know who, who played 14 games so we knew it was going to be a um, a challenging game but, but the lads were you know we, I thought we started the game really well then you know we, we gave away a, a, a poor penalty we couldn't deal with some direct play but uh, but look the lads will learn from that you know and, uh, and the good thing about this group is they're all they're humble they're level headed they'll now prepare for what's going to be the biggest game in the group now on Tuesday I had a modesty score the winner what was your message to him when he's going on that was I, said, it. Yeah, I said get, get on and score because he done it in QA uh, he's been outstanding I'm telling you now he's been outstanding all week in training scoring goals and you know we'd have shooting sessions and what have you he's, he's been he's been excellent and I don't know he probably felt hard done but he didn't start the game but as I said we, we've you know we had 24 players originally we're down to 22 but each and every one of them I, I know you know we lost Sinclair this morning to the senior team you know and, and it would have phased um, you know certain people but we brought in Johnny Kenny you know and, and I said it to Johnny this morning he was buzzing and I thought he gave an outstanding performance mm. an outstanding performance and I, you know he gave us everything and uh, you know I couldn't be any more proud of the boys Andy's goal will you see a better strike this no, season said, no because I was right in line with it you know and I said geez, he's hit that well and I've just seen it go in the top corner and, uh, but look it doesn't surprise me with him I think he's a, he's a real talent um, you know he, he's our skipper now since you know unfortunately Joe Hodges out but you know he, he carries himself well around the place he's uh, in team meetings um, he's, he's an outstanding pro an outstanding pro and he's come a long way since the day I've seen him walking into uh, Abbottstown with his jersey Bill four times too big for him for an assessment day you know so you know captaining the under 21s one step away from the senior team and to score a goal like that um, fantastic and then you know the, the maze he went on you know it's no problem to him doing things like that to uh, to get us the penalty but you know, um, he's been excellent. Just lastly, for me, from a Cork perspective, Matt Healy looked like he was right at home in that Irish team tonight. Yeah, yeah. Look, he, he was in the team because he can pass the ball. Um, but I think he, he surprised me with 
other areas of his game today, you know, because in there, the way we were playing in the first half, he had to be on the front foot in terms of second balls and what have you, and he was brilliant. He really was. He, he gave us everything, and it was a proud moment for him, you know, playing here in Turner's Cross. He's having a great season um, at the minute in, in Belgium, and then. Um, you know, I'm, I'm delighted for him. Absolutely delighted for him. And uh, I still think he'll get a lot better. Sinclair to be called up. Look, Sinclair all week. You know, he's a, he's, he's a fantastic character. He really is. He's a, he's, he's a you know, an unbelievable um, player, team player. Um, the lads love him. The staff love him. And, you know, for him to get the call up... Uh, I was I was tough for him. He had a huge smile on his face leaving this morning. I didn't, but he did. But uh, no, but um, you know, and he deserves it. You know, he's been ex- excellent with QPR. You know, and he came he came to us in, in the June window, and he had, he was just recovering from a knock. And you know, um, um, Ainsworth, the manager, rang me for Q- QPR, and he says, "Look, he's going to be a big player for us next year. Um, can you mind his minutes?" And I'm one of them. It's the player force, and I says absolutely. We're not going to bring him over here to play three games, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. Mm. For him to pick up an injury, to miss pre-season, and then you look at this window, you know. So I said absolutely, and he, he never kicked the ball in June because we were looking after him. Yeah. And I still maintain the medical staff, the work that they've done on him to get him back into pre-season with QPR. For him to to hit the ground running pre-season, you know, is uh, you know was the right thing for him and you know I understand the the, the senior team where um, he caught their eye with his performances and you just have to accept as the under 21 manager that it could happen to any of those players and um, you know and, and I'm delighted with his call up I'm delighted you, you've got Festy you know all the lads seeing Festy making his debut the other night you know Festy was here with us in, in, in March mm. he couldn't make June because he was injured but you know, there's a real solid pathway there for the players, you know, and they recognise that. And I think a lot of them didn't do themselves any harm whatsoever with the performances out there, you know. I spoke to you about that. Yeah, that was Jim Crawford there speaking after Ireland's 3-2 win in the Under-21 European Championship qualifier last night at Turner's Cross. Tuesday next for them and uh, obviously as uh, Jim Crawford was saying there Sinclair Armstrong was uh, called into the Ireland senior squad as was uh, Jonathan Nafalabi uh, for that game against the Netherlands tomorrow and uh, we'll have uh, build up to that on the big red bench tomorrow evening from 6 Australia flexing their muscles now against Georgia uh, conversion pending here it's a pretty easy one to tap it over for a 35-8 lead uh, in their game with about 10 minutes to go alright big day tomorrow in the Premier Senior Football Championship John McCarthy is going to run us through everything that uh, needs to happen for certain clubs or anything that might happen uh, to decide the knockout stages and that dreaded relegation playoff. Alright, I'm joined on the line now by Jer McCarthy ahead of a huge day in the Premier Senior Football Championship tomorrow. All the games throwing in at the same time in the final round of group fixtures. Jer, thanks a minute for joining us on the bench. Always good to talk to you, buddy. And uh, yeah, exciting one tomorrow, isn't it? Um, let's start off, I suppose, by looking at Group A, which probably has the tie of the round, would you say? Clannacilty versus Castlehaven. Um, now, both teams, a draw, I suppose, does both teams 
providing Carberry Rangers don't win by seven points or more, which affects Castlehaven. That's about as as scientific as it'll get for <laughs> for for Castlehaven. Um, a win for either team tops the group. Um, but other than that, it's two contenders. Would you say for for the championship? Two teams that will be hoping to contend for the championship. It, it should be a good one. Um, yes, it should be a good one. And what I would say is two teams with enough quality in their panels that should be challenging for the title this year. Whether they will or not, we have to wait and see. Um, there's a lot of excitement around West Cork about this particular game. Uh, Castlehaven, Calakilty, no strangers to one another. All the players know each other very, very well um, from underage and certainly from senior in recent years. And the permutations as you've laid them out there, it's very, very simple for, for the Haven and Calakilty. And I know this from inside the dressing rooms. It's just win and you're in and um, it's going to come down to that it is knockout essentially now a draw does uh, open up certain other possibilities but I think um, the game I'm going to be at for the big red bench tomorrow is the opposite game in that championship or in that championship group uh, Carby Rangers and Valley Rovers and it's, it's last chance saloon for Valley Rovers to try and get something out of their season they've lost heavily in both games today but Carby Rangers need to win by 7 points um, and that would, then would negate a draw between Castlehaven and Clannacilty so Carby Rangers know exactly what they've got to do but Castlehaven and Clannacilty have a very simple uh, mantra and that's go out and win it and uh, a victory would put either of those two teams into the knockout stages Yeah it's a tough assignment for Carby Rangers as well because like you said Valley Rovers despite the fact that I suppose their championship is over to an extent they can't get out of the group they won't want to finish bottom no, they want to avoid relegation playoff. Um, definitely, in I suppose the thing with Valley Rovers is they've got dual commitments, and um, I saw their hurlers last week make the, the the latter stages of the Premier Intermediate Hurling Championship. They're into that, so I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in that particular club at the moment. But they certainly got off to a bad start. They were well beaten by Clonakilty in the same band and ground that Clan will play in tomorrow. Uh, 20 points to 1-9 and they put up a much better effort against Castlehaven losing 1-12 to not 9 but they're relying on, on, on Faker Lynch um, for scores he scored 7 against Clannacilty they have got a lot of good players in there but it's such a tight group and it's such a tough group and, and it's so much experience not just in Clannacilty and Castlehaven's teams but also in Kirby Rangers you know any slip up at all and that's, that, that's the nature of this year's championship and since they moved to the group kind of Champions League style it's, it's, it's way for 10 margins you lose one game and you lose a second game you're, you're in trouble you win one game win two games and you're looking at you're looking at trying to contend for a championship it's that tight I do expect Carby Rangers to win tomorrow but whether it will be straightforward as some people seem to think I'm not so sure because Valleys are a very proud club a lot of very experienced players in that particular team but they're going up against John O'Rourke they're going up against the likes of Brian Shannon they're going up against Niall Fitzpatrick they've got um, a lot of experience in that in that Carby Rangers team as well and look they they drew their opening game with Castlehaven they also drew a horrific game with uh, Clannacilty six points each um, so they're, they haven't lost yet and if they win this one they'll have a great chance get, of getting into the into the knockout stages but a lot of eyeballs will be on that Castlehaven and Clannacilty game and, and with with obvious for obvious reasons, there's so much talent in terms of intercounty. You've got Morris Shanley, the Cork senior with Cork or with Clannacilty. You've also got Liam O'Donovan, the two whites, Mark and Sean. There's a question mark over Sean White whether he'd be fit. But you've also got the likes of David Loney and some new younger players coming through. Dara Goff, uh, Connor Daly as well, and Sean McAvoy is another player who's been playing quite well for him this year. So Clannacilty have got plenty of ammunition up front, but it's the Haven. And any time Castlehaven and Clan meet, there's very very little in it. And the Haven have been particularly impressive in the opening night against Carby Rangers again the Catalans Connor Jack and, and Damien are back with them now as well Mark Collins uh, the former Cork senior is involved uh, you know I'm playing he scored three points the opening night five the last night and he, he's very very important to him but 
I guess the ace in the pack for them if you're talking about players and match winners is Brian Hurley and I think the Haven and Clannacilty who wins that game may well come down to how well Clannacilty negate Brian Hurley's influence for however long he's on but two very very entertaining games ahead tomorrow all to play for and uh, I'd say a lot of excitement Yeah and it really could get tense as well maybe like it's tough to see Castlehaven going on and winning by eight points like that would be a massive margin particularly when we've seen such tight games in this group and also in the championship itself like an eight point gap would be massive like for, for this type of game it could be quite tense like if if it is really close if it is looking like a draw fellas will be checking their phones to see what's going on between Carberry Rangers and Valley Rovers like it, it, and probably mostly on the Castlehaven side would you say that tension could come down to because they're more vulnerable um, I can tell you two things in. You don't need any permutations to have tension in a Clannacilty and a Castle Haven match. It comes with the menu. Uh, and the second thing, the best thing that Haven supporters could do is keep track of the big red bench social media account tomorrow because we'll be live tweeting things as they happen between Carberry Rangers and Valley Rovers. But you're right. There's, there's an awful lot riding on these two games tomorrow. It's the nature of the championship. It's what you know supporters and players are asking for. Meaningful games at this time of the year with a view to trying to get into the knockout stages. I do think the fact that Clannacilty have already played in Bandon could be a factor and the fact they kicked 20 points that night. Now, Valley Rovers were very disappointing on the night, but they still kicked 20 points. Um, as for the as for the Haven, you know, they got 11, they got 112 in their opening two games. They are coming to the boil nicely under James McCarthy, as they always do. And one thing with the Haven is, you know, in recent years, in recent championships, out of all the teams in West Cork, they are the ones, I know Clannacilty got to a final, but over the last four, five, six years, they are the West Cork club that have been most consistent. They only lost out on penalty shootouts twice to the Bears in county semi-finals. They've been there before, and there's a bit of a hunger about them this year because the likes of Brian Hurley, the likes of Mark Collins, the likes of Damien Cahillan are not getting any younger. And the window of opportunity to win a Premier Senior now is so tight. Um, Aidan, you know, you see yeah. the likes of Nemo and the Bears getting back all the time. That's because they have the panel to do so, and it's the panel with the strongest depth and the biggest, most quality. I think that wins out in the end, but. You know, West Cork Derby, you don't need permutations, you don't need tension. It's going to be there anyway. There's going to be a massive crowd at that game. But both, all, all four clubs, I think, have something to play for tomorrow. Valley Rovers need to try and put in a performance and possibly get a win that might, just might, in the mathematics, get them out of a relegation playoff. But the other three are all looking towards that knockout stage and it should make for some dramatic, uh, a dramatic afternoon, I think. Absolutely. Keep it locked to the Big Red Bench Twitter account for Jar's updates on uh, on the Valley Rovers Carby Rangers game. It, it'll be a big one in deciding that one. Uh, Group B is a lot more simple. Uh, Nemo are top and through. Carrigline are, are bottom, unfortunately, no matter what they do. So Air Rogue versus Ballincollig is good old fashioned knockout. <laughs> it certainly is. And uh, you talk about Clannacilty and Castle Levin not needing a build up. Well, this local derby needs no build up whatsoever. Barry Amani writing about this particular game in the Echo uh, this weekend and uh, a lot of excitement around this particular game and it's it's pretty straightforward. Airog of two points, Balancholic of two points. Airog have the better scoring difference by five points but a winner basically should join Nemo Rangers in the next stage. I'm assuming Nemo Rangers will beat a Carrigaline team that lost both of their games thus far and because it's Nemo and because they're going so well at the moment that looks the likeliest outcome. How, the, how this Airog and Ballincolly game is going to go I, I have no idea I just know it's going to be very very tight you talk about neighbours and you talk about knowing each other inside out well the Ovens Club and certainly in the Midcork region these are two of you know two of the most successful clubs certainly at underage level as well they've met each other all the way up and the one thing I've noticed as well is that in terms of the scoring stakes they haven't been far apart Airog got 110 in their win over Carrigaline which was narrow enough 
um, and only managed one six against Nemo, whereas Ballon Colleague only got six points against Nemo, but bounced back to score two twelve um, in that win over Carrigal in the last day you know, to set up what is essentially uh, a knockout game. And um, you know the the same kind of names are popping up all the time, but it's Keen Dorgan um, who's going to be hugely, hugely important um, in this particular one for um, for Ballon Colleague uh, and Keen Coyley obviously as well. And from uh, Aero's point of view, like they have got a lot of scores in, in different parts of the pitch. But I suppose Daniel Goulding and his experience, they're going to lean on that as much as they possibly can. This is going to be a cracker in Coachford. This is going to draw a big, big crowd. And it is essentially, uh, with respect to Carrigaline and respect to Nemo Rangers, this is the, the big game of the group and it's the biggest game of the group thus far. And to me, it feels like a knockout toy already. Now, we assume Carrigaline won't cause an upset, but that's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, and that should make just for a very, very tense afternoon again for the supporters in Coachford. Um, but it also should be an absolute cracker. And I honestly don't know how it's going to end, but I do know it's going to be very, very close. Absolutely. Sounds like a, it's going to be an absolute cracker. Group C then, um, there's quite a lot going on in this group, to be fair. The bars are through, but they need a result to finish top. Um, and then we have, uh, so the Bars are taking on Douglas, which is going to be a good game no matter what, to be fair. Uh, Douglas must draw or win, and they also need Mallow to lose to qualify, so that's a fairly tall order for them. Uh, Mallow go through with results, and they take on St. Michael's. The St. Michael's team who um, won't want to finish bottom of the group either, obviously. We, we've spoken about St. Michael's, their first year up in Premier Senior, and uh, they'd be want to kick on, but they, they'll want to stay, obviously, there, first of all. And they must draw or win and hope Douglas lose to not finish bottom of the group on points difference. So there's a quite a lot of going on for all four clubs for different reasons. Um, but every single one of them will be fighting for something on the pitch, which is exactly what we want, as we've been talking about. Exactly, yeah. And as you said, this one is very is particularly tight. I, I really feel for St. Michael's because last year's listeners to the big red bench uh, will remember their dramatic and their historic um, win uh, to get up to senior for the first time and what it took down through the years and all those near misses to finally get there it was just a, it was like a fairy tale story for St. Michael's to finally get there and they've been very very unlucky in my opinion they only lost by a point to Douglas in, in their opening yeah. match and were very unlucky in, in that particular game and they ran the bars close 210 to 9 as well so they've not been blown away by any means by two of the more two of the most established premier senior teams in the grade Mallow are similar to them having come up as well that it takes as soon as you come up to this premier senior grade Aiden, you don't get time anymore to settle so the big thing you've got to do in your first year if not your second year is don't get relegated um, and that gives you an opportunity to settle develop players and play at the high pace that the premier senior football championships played at now Mallow if you offered St Michael's an opportunity to play Mallow in the final game with the possibility of avoiding a relegation playoff I think they would have taken that but I think because they've been so close in both of the games so far because they've been in you know, in in the game in the final few minutes, that should give them confidence. But look, Mallow uh, blown away by the bars, but played absolutely brilliantly uh, to shut down Douglas and win by a point, ten points in the last day. That's really opened the gates on this particular this particular group. Look, the bars and Douglas, Douglas will respect the bars, uh, especially under Paul O'Keefe and what they've achieved in recent years. They know all about their forward line, Stephen Sherlock, you know Brian Hayes. Um, Wigginton Barrett the new young kid coming through the block he got a goal the last day against Michaels they've got plenty of firepower but Douglas don't really they'll respect the Bars but they certainly won't fear them 
uh, you know, with Brian Hartnett amongst that team. Um, they've got scorers uh, all over the pitch, but they're going to have to put in their best performance of the championship to get something out of that in Parky Ring. Um, it's going to be a real tall order for Douglas. I honestly believe that. And as for Michaels, I think Michaels could spring a surprise in this one against Mallow. I think they've been going so well and they're so desperate, I think, to stay up. Um, I think that they might just edge that game at Blarney against Mallow. And that would, what that would, in my opinion, what that will probably end up meaning is that the bars will go through on maximum points and it'll come down to points difference then between Douglas and Mallow if not the head-to-head uh, which Mallow already won so look there's so much that can happen tomorrow yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go but I do think uh, Douglas will run the bars close but I expect the bars to win and I do think Michaels have been knocking on the door in their two previous games they've been consistent they've been close um, and as good as Mallow are and as strong as a physical team as they, as they are I think just Michaels have got that extra bit of firepower and they might just get over the line would I be correct then in saying that uh, the, there's only three teams that could possibly end up in a relegation playoff, uh, that being uh, Valley Rovers, Carrigaline and St. Michael's, as they're the only three teams who have no points. I, I suppose they are the three most likely. Could Mallow end up there depending on what happens? It would have to take a big score because they they currently have a scoring difference of minus 17, Mallow, going into their final game, but they have those two points. That's the yeah. crucial thing. Um, I don't think, I, I just don't see Valley Rovers beating Carby Rangers. I, I expect them to put up a fight. Um, and Carrigaline going up against Nemo. I, I I think if you ask me right now here, right here now, I think it'll be Valley Rovers versus Carrigaline in the relegation playoff. But so much could twist and turn in the afternoon. But right now, um, because I'm assuming Michaels will, will edge Mallow um, and they'd each have two points then I think they're the two teams and unfortunately for them will end up in the relegation battle but we've seen this before Aidan. we've seen it through all the grades last weekend and the excitement and the hurling any of the games I was covering in the hurling last week trying to get interviews after the game we had to wait because everybody had their phones out one person had a calculator out and somebody <laughs> had a laptop <laughs> that's the way it worked in the, the modern Cork Club football championships and hurling but that's the way we want it that we want excitement we want build up we want drama and we're going to get it in spades tomorrow Absolutely, keep a lock to the Big Red Bench Twitter account or X account as it's now known and uh, also here on the Big Red Bench tomorrow evening from 6pm we'll have all the reaction and the results. Jeremy McCarthy, enjoy tomorrow it's sure to be a cracker, thanks a minute for joining us Nice one, Ed, talk soon buddy Yeah, Jeremy McCarthy there and uh, he's uh, currently at the game between Bandon and Castletown Bear in the Premier Intermediate if you want to keep up to date with that one at Big Red Bench on Twitter it's currently 6 points to 3 in favour of Castletown Bear with over 20 minutes gone that is it for us I'll be back tomorrow evening on the Big Red Bench from 6pm until then thank you for joining us Stevie G is on the way next The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM